0: Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. Today, Uh, I'm really excited to have our guest, Heather Pallison. Heather and I have a couple of things in common. Um, One is we're both counselors and we've been counselors for a long time. And the other is we're both in recovery. And so today we want to just really talk about uh, more about the program of recovery and what that looks like. So, Heather, welcome
1: aboard. Thank Uh, you. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, Again, my name is Heather Pallison. I um, am a counselor, I've worked in the field of addiction mental health for the last 20 years, and I'm grateful to say I've been sober for the last 20 years, and um, I've had the privilege of being a part of different recovery groups throughout those 20 years. Um, First met Jamie in uh, 2003. She was the first person to invite me to a recovery group and to really show me what recovery is about and how to use recovery to overcome um, something that really had quite a grip on my life. Um, So it's a pleasure to be here. And of course, it's thinking about 20 years ago, meeting Jamie for the first time, I would never have dreamed sitting here today um, talking like this uh, on camera. first time for me, Um, camera, Uh, so I'm adjusting to that. Um, But yeah, what an amazing journey the last 20 years have been for me. So it's a little bit full circle sitting here talking with you, and I'm very grateful that you asked me and for all the things I've learned about recovery from you. You know, it's it's been
0: fun watching, sharing that walk with you. And actually, we add we do share walking now. We, <laughs> we do. walk together. Yeah, the that it's not slick and snowy out yes. there. But it's I think what I would had hoped to do today, and do hope to do today, is to really unpack what recovery is because it's so such a little known process in many ways. Although there are hundreds and thousands of people who are in recovery, it's like mm-hmm. almost a, a subculture of people. But it I remember when I first came into recovery, my own recovery 44 years ago, I had no idea. First of all, I had no idea what was wrong with me. I grew up in an alcoholic family. Both of my parents died of alcoholism. And I was lost in my own addiction and, and actually married to a psychiatrist at the time and working in mental health. So it was very um just very enlightening to know that there was a way back because I was so lost, I had no idea there was a way back. And I think the recovery program offers not just a little bit of healing with a glass ceiling, it offers a full restoration process. And it brought me back to Jesus and back to Christ centered recovery. But I thought it would be a good idea to unpack uh, that process and really look at the 12 steps. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which began the recovery movement, was uh, created in nineteen thirty five and has was pretty much hidden in in dark rooms. I remember when I got into recovery, the first meeting that I went to was up these dark stairs in this dark room with this this room full of men. There were no women. Uh, Very few women came into recovery at that time because there was such a stigma and there was such a shame base uh, of being a person who had addiction issues. And I remember thinking, if this is what it takes to recovery, I'm not sure I want to do it. (laughs) But over the years have really... Learn to uh, appreciate uh, the 12-step and the whole process that's created. Because now what we're finding out in mental health circles and in church circles, that that process is uh, essential for full healing. Mm. And so I wanted to just run over uh, the steps. And I thought maybe if you wanted to take what and I'll take what, it will sure. share that <laughs> breaking it down business. So Absolutely. Um,
1: you know you you would you like to start with step one? Sure. So step one says we admitted we were powerless over you can fill in the blank alcohol drugs whatever the addiction we admitted we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. So we'll go ahead and say a little more about that. So I, I I can speak from my own experience and meeting many people over the years. Um, I've heard a lot of comments on step one, the, the, the two main concepts being powerlessness and unmanageability. And I know for myself, what I can say is I felt very powerless when I was in my addiction. I I had started going to church uh, about a year and a half before I got sober, and that completely changed my life. I, I gave my life to Christ, and I really was trying to live uh, a new kind of life, um, but the addiction had really a grip on me, and I don't think I understood what I understood what I understand now with just how um serious addiction can be. And I didn't realize what I needed to get well. And that's that powerless feeling of I actually don't want to be doing what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it. I, I could just remember weekends of saying, I'm not going to do that this weekend. And I was very committed, and I would pray, and I'd be reading my Bible and doing all these right things. And yet I would find myself, by the end of the weekend, drinking and trying to go to church and repenting. And it was just this vicious cycle. So powerless, for me, reminds me of that time of being in this position of wanting very much to get rid of something in my life and feeling like I didn't have the power to do it. And my life was definitely unmanageable because anybody who's experienced addiction, whether it's yours or someone around you, sees the effect of what happens from addiction. It's takes away our our ability to manage our emotions, to manage our relationships, to be able to function day to day. So looking at step one, I think I felt those things before I got into recovery. I felt the powerlessness and the unmanageability of my life. It was that I did not know what to do about it. Um, And so step one is, Thankfully, not the only step, but it's a necessary step because if I hadn't really recognized those things in my life, Mm -hmm. I would probably not have been desperate enough to go do what I needed to do to get well. Um, I've always heard that... Uh, discovery is the first step in recovery, and
0: Mm -hmm. it it really is, and and what we know is that when you try to control what you cannot control, it begins to control you, and it becomes a preoccupation, and it becomes an increasing sense of helplessness, and... Interestingly enough, scripturally, uh, it's described perfectly in, in Romans chapter 7. I do what I don't want to do. I don't mm-hmm. do what I should, and there's no hope for me, which brings us to step two, mm-hmm. which is I, I I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, and I think in that step, we have to admit that we're not sane. <laughs> you know, We have to admit that we are out of control, and there is a shame to that, that Makes it very hard to share it, to so we have become increasingly isolated, and 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 self-centered in that process. But the the come somebody said first we come and then we come too, and I think that is that is true. To realize I can't, and the only hope I have is to. Seek something that can help me.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I think the sentence, I need help, is probably the most difficult sentence in the English language, or in any language, because we don't want to admit our vulnerability. We don't want to admit how helpless we really are. I think sometimes about the cross, and I think Jesus showed us total vulnerability, on the cross I mean and and I mean he was he was beaten and and naked and fully displayed and that sense of vulnerability I think is saying you know complete vulnerability is necessary for resurrection we have to allow ourselves to share our vulnerability and to realize we're not perfect we're not okay you know, And we don't even know why we're not okay, but we're not okay. Mm-hmm. And so step two is, is just really believing I have to reach out. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: have any choice. Absolutely. Which goes into step three. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And, and AA says, as we understood him. Um, yes. And I was just thinking as you were talking, all throughout the steps is this idea of we— we admitted we, you know, we came came to believe um, that we can recognize what's going on sometimes. But when we get around other people and who have the same struggle, I think that was the eye opener for me. Was meeting somebody else in recovery, and that that helped me with these first few steps. of really cementing that, and um, so coming to see the problem, coming to see that God can restore me to sanity, and then making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Um, it, that, it That's an interesting step because I will—it's sometimes it's confusing because I remember coming to church and making a decision to turn my life over to God. And I got baptized. I— Invited a bunch of my drinking friends to my baptism, which was really interesting. (laughs) Um, And my family, some of my family who've been praying for me for years, came to this baptism and were just praising God that, you know, these things were happening. And so it's, I did that in a sense of asking Christ into my life. And then in recovery, it went a little deeper where. I started to make a decision to turn over things to God that had been in my life for a long time that I started to see were getting in the way of me being able to be who He wanted me to be. And yeah. I think that that's a big part of it is it's an ongoing process. We're always in a position of seeing things that get in the way and turning them over and being willing to surrender them and that's why the steps are always being worked on because you you don't ever s- complete these things. No. Yeah,
0: we're never fully restored until He beams us up. Yeah, you know, I, th- I say here, step three is like you know you get a car to go to California, but you're not in California yeah. yet. I think I think step three that is a decision. It, it, you know, I can make a decision to go to California, but it doesn't get me there, <laughs> you know yeah. I have to do something different. I have to turn things over. Yeah, and uh, and so step three uh gives us the willingness to go to step four, which mm-hmm. is in so many ways the step that, that you know, I think we're the where the it's two places that I think that Christ-centered recovery is better than AA recovery or church alone. Because what happens in church very often is we go one, two, three, twelve. You know, we yeah. go one, two, three, I did make a decision. I realized I needed Christ. I turned my decision over. And then we jump to 12. I'm going to tell everybody else. And what that ends up being is that we're not really healed. We become more legalistic and often use the Bible as a weapon to uh, talk to others because we literally switch from one addiction to another. We switch from whatever it was we were doing before to to religion. And, And we never really heal. And what the problem in the 12 steps is, is if, if step three is the God of my understanding, then we have no outside source of forgiveness. And one of the things that we have to have in order to fully, um, Recover is an outside source of forgiveness. And so putting Jesus as God of the third step really completes the mm-hmm. process of discipleship and healing when you work the steps. And so step four is the step that everybody sort of fears, and it's like, you better get you know be careful, because step four says, I did a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. In other words, I look at myself fully in the mirror. I write down all of the things that I've done to hurt myself and others. And, you know, and that's a scary thing Mm -hmm. because as we do that, then we really discover, you know, we are really messy. You know, and and I I, I think of it sometimes as I lived in a dark room and, and I couldn't see what was messy in there. I couldn't see the mess and the junk. And then when I invite Christ into my life, it's a light it's the light of love and he enters that room but as his light enters that room it's just really messy in there and i see that mess for the first time i really get out of my denial i stop living the lie that i've been living and i begin to really see how sick i truly am and 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 sometimes it feels easier to just turn the light back out mm-hmm. and 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 not go there because it's a lot of work. It's a it's a change of of lifestyle. But I have to clean the room up first, and really looking at that. And so step four is about getting honest. Um, somebody said a synonym for addiction is lie. So it's it's uh, you know and, and the other one is more now. <laughs> but but we live in a Uh, a self-justified rationalization blaming others not really being aware of ourselves and certainly not wanting to to stop doing what we're doing because the belief has been you know that that it's helping us somehow Mm -hmm. that it's giving us relief and actually it's causing the problem and you know the Chinese had a saying once that First the man takes a drink and then the drink takes a drink and then the drink takes the man. And, and you don't know when that process mm-hmm. is happening, you know and, and so when we get to step four we're we're looking at, oh my goodness, look at the road I have walked down and look at the the damage I've left along the way. So step four is is that inventory and and then we get to step five.
1: Uh, step five is that we um, share the exact nature of our wrongs with ourself, another person, and God. And so we become ready to take the work we did in step four, where we took the time to really look at what's underneath my addiction, what's all these other things I've never dealt with, how have I hurt other people, how have I hurt myself. We take all of those and we share them with somebody else. Um, And step five is becoming you know, ready to do that and to like you use the word light a lot. And I think that's what it's kind of expose what's there, share that, open that up. You know, they talk a lot about addiction being one of those things that produces a lot of shame in people. And anyone who's ever struggled with addiction knows knows what that's like, feeling ashamed of what has happened. And I think that the cure for shame is exposing it. And so step five is about Exposing things that we've never really shared with someone else before—it
0: really, you know, it's it's. It took me a while to realize that that we really need to share it with another human being. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, people will say, "Well, God, I'm working that Mm -hmm. out." Well, you know, God gives us the body of Christ (laughs) to work Mm -hmm. out things with and to be to be truthful with, but shame. isolates us so much and when we confess to another person the exact nature of our wrongs then look into the eyes of acceptance that is a reconnecting that's a mm-hmm. rebonding like maybe there is hope for me maybe I can have relationships I'm looking at you and you're giving me your phone number and I just told you my worst stuff you know mm-hmm. and and you're inviting me back <laughs> you know you're not running out of the room screaming like I thought you would mm-hmm. and and so it leads you to to really feeling like maybe there is a, a way back. And in step six, I become willing to let go of some of those things. And that's when i when I first got into recovery, I thought, why, well, I don't even see a purpose for step six? Of course, I'm willing to let go of them. I've been struggling with them forever. But mm-hmm. that I, I had a client come in one time, and he said, i he was just very, very anxious, and he said, I don't exist. <laughs> I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "I'm doing step six, step six, and if I give up my character defects, I won't exist." And I think sometimes that is—it's like, am I really ready to give up my greed, my pride, you know, my uh, my my slothness, my uh, my lying, my all of the things that I've thought were helping me to get by, or things that I thought I was enjoying? Am I really? ready to give those up. And I think step six brings to that question to the forefront. Mm-hmm.
1: And to step seven, where we we humbly ask God to remove these shortcomings from our life. Humbly, humility is probably the key word, is really recognizing that not that I'm less than what I am, but the the truth about who I am or what I've become or what's happened. And so with humility... We go to God and ask Him. We know He is the only one who can remove these things, that we can see them, we can acknowledge them, but we don't have the power on our own to get rid of them.
0: And we really know that you know, He will give us what we need. Mm-hmm. I mean, He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's one of the phrases this, this, in the Promises of Recovery that I really love. He, you know, God does for us what we cannot do for mm-hmm. ourselves. He's the Savior. We're not— He's the one who transforms us, and so, you know, he can do for us and restore us to sanity. He can uh, restore us to humanity, mm-hmm. and, and 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 then we get to, okay, that takes care of me and God. Now I got to talk about relationships, <laughs> you know. So, so then I go and I make a. a, a, a a uh, list of all the persons I have harmed and become willing to make amends to them which is really scary because in addiction we have this no talk rule and and so we don't talk about our addiction and when anybody else tries to talk about it we don't we get mad or we leave or we uh, do whatever but certainly we're not going to own our behavior and ask forgiveness you know that's a foreign concept and so we but we make a list of all those people and that's almost always a shocking list because we don't really realize how we have hurt people you know how we have betrayed people abandoned people lied to people manipulated and conned you can't even be a good addict if you don't know how to con people and so there's just I mean you got to do the most crazy things to people and get them to still be there <laughs> you know so so we're really good at that so going back and owning those things is uh, something that is a Part of reconnecting in relationships and helping relationships heal, and it has to be not. I, I'm gonna uh, ask you to forgive me, and then I'm gonna explain. Um, you know why what I did. You don't get any whys. Mm-hmm. You don't get any. Uh, you don't get anything that says I'm gonna just massage this a little bit and make it less than me hurting you. And the worst thing you can do is say, please please forgive me for doing this, but you, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but you made me do it, which is our addict way of thinking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. But just to make a list of the people that we've harmed and then we become willing to make amends to them all in step eight. I mean, step nine. Yep.
1: So it's in step nine, we move on to making direct amends, um, unless to do so would be harmful to someone else. And so, with there's a lot of different situations um, that people have to work through as far as making amends. This is where the community is very helpful to having people to talk things through with, because um, what, like you said, what we don't want to do is re harm someone. Um, by going to them and making amends in a way that actually makes it worse. And so I know for me, when I actually got to this place, which was quite a process, it didn't happen. It, w- it happened over time. Um, I And I, talking to people about how to directly go to someone, um, how do I own my own part and not get into all these other things? Is there any situations where it wouldn't make sense for me to directly go to somebody because that wouldn't... Make things worse than what they already are, so it it it's an opportunity to clean up what you know my behavior has done. Um, I, looking back, at, I don't know if I've always done that well. Um, working the steps has been something that's kind of put brings it to the forefront of the mind of when you know you hurt someone. You know the right thing to do is to go to them. Um, to not ignore it, or to ignore them, or pretend it didn't happen. Um, so it's an opportunity to take responsibility um, and to go to someone and, and to really own our part, my part of what I did. Um,
0: Doesn't mean they're going to forgive you. Yeah. It just means you're going to give that option. Mm-hmm. And and then we go to. Step ten, which is the maintenance step. Now we're 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 good with ourselves. We're good with God. We're good with others, and then we have to learn to maintain that walk, mm-hmm. which is hard. Mm-hmm. And and because we're going to start feeling better, we're going to start, uh, and then we're going to go back and believe. Well, maybe I maybe it wasn't as unmanageable <laughs> as I thought, or well, maybe it is manageable now. So if we don't go to step ten, then we tend to start to slide, mm-hmm. which is doing a daily inventory Mm -hmm. of ourselves and 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 to uh when we're wrong promptly admit it so so we're keeping up to date we're keeping the house clean we're doing our daily chores and we're doing devotions and we're doing readings and we're going to meetings and we're talking i want to talk a little bit about the surrounding things of the of the steps and why they're so important but we're doing those things that we need to do to keep our life on track, and uh, and and those are those are uh, so very important. Not just not just to stop. Okay, now I'm recovered, but it's like I have to maintain by. A, a, a routine of living, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a good routine. I, I know when I first got into recovery, I was like, "Why me?" And, and you know, I mean, and and you know, I hear people say, "I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic," and I would say, "You know, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you talking about?" And then I came to be, you know realize that I had grown up in some really f- um, chaotic situations, and and to have the opportunity to get out of those situations. And if I had not had to, if I had not gotten to the point where I had to surrender and I had to seek help, I probably wouldn't have circled that darkness for a long time, if mm-hmm. not forever, which a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people have a black hole inside they're afraid they're going to fall into. And, and it's... But, you know, the... uh you know, the tenth step allows me to live the program, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we're doing. We're not we're not doing it separate from our lives. We're incorporating our recovery
1: into everyday life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And step eleven, well, this is a big one. I'll, I'll paraphrase. So, step eleven is seeking out God's will in our life every day, improving our conscious contact with God. And really like developing and growing spiritually each day, making that a priority every day to grow more and more into God's will for us. Um, and so it's continuing to take care of that spiritual, um, that relationship with God, that that's the priority in seeking only His will, um, which is... Almost impossible. <laughs> we, Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's really getting good at coming back to, like, the the number one priority of all of this power comes from God. And it's all about how He wants to work into our lives and really seeking that out each day. Um,
0: it's, yeah. it's walking prayerfully and, and really realizing that... Uh, you know, praying for His will for us and the strength to carry that out. But I, I do believe that God does not send us where He does not equip us to go. Mm-hmm. You know, that He gives us manna for every moment. And mm-hmm. even if we can't see what that journey's going to look like, you know, we just have to show up. I mean, so much of recovery is about showing up. So much of life is about showing up. I mean, showing up and and trusting. Showing up and trusting. You know, trusting and showing up. <laughs> and mm-hmm. And, you know, step 12 is... is so important because the assignment both scripturally and in 12 steps is uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps that we carry the message to those who are still suffering and so it's about reaching out it's about it's about uh, going out and you know as we call it you know making disciples helping people to know i didn't know there was a way back mm-hmm. and when i really understood recovery and the power of of what was wrong with me to kill me you know you know i wanted to help other people find out there is a way back i don't care where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you there's a way back and you know in recovery circles we say you can't keep it unless you give it away i mean it's it's the helping other people. Somebody described it once as we're all in a river drowning and some of us get out to the bank and we want to reach in there and pull others out. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to help others find a way. And the beautiful thing, you know, having been in recovery as long as I have is is you. You know, I I mean, I met you in a different place Mm -hmm. and watched you grow and watched you get to step 12 and watched you give it away. And it's like, you, it, it just strengthens, and, and it just gives you a, a, a warm feeling of, of, of yeah. You know, we're in something together. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in something that we can pass on. You know, and 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 that is just so incredible. So to me, it, it, if we get down to what the steps are about, they are so powerful. But mm-hmm. every single one of them is necessary for full restoration. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that is uh, the gift of recovery that is there. The other thing I wanted to mention is the things surrounding recovery. I mean, some of the knowledge about what, what we need. We always say you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to stay in community, and not just a community where you're going to go talk about intellectual things, or, or talk about uh, how about those Browns. You know, I mean, when you know that's not going to cut it. You have to have people around you where you can just be you, mm-hmm. where you can not be okay on days where you can be scared, where you can be angry, where you can be grieving, where you mm-hmm. don't go out smiling sweetly, fine, thank you, where you can can just put it down mm-hmm. and and have a safe place and that's the other beauty of recovery is we know you were broken to get in that room <laughs> we know that you know what life is about and so we're just grateful I don't, I don't know you were mentioning earlier your journey in 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 groups
1: yeah I was thinking about that I was praying a little bit this morning getting ready to come here and talk about it in a I I felt God say, just share what recovery has meant to you. And I was thinking about how, you know, when you're in, I got started early in addiction. And so there was a lot of things I never learned how to do. And it's embarrassing, but they're very basic things Um, talk to people, (laughs) Um, you know, um, manage emotions, be in a relationship with someone in a healthy way. Um, you know, even just daily routines. I remember when I first quit drinking, I would come home from work, and I'm like, "What do people do when they get home from work if they don't drink?" <laughs> like literally, I had no idea how to have a like a balanced, routine day. And so, th- I think about recovery mm-hmm. groups and how much you learn there just by being there. It's not just the steps, and it's all these other things on the out on the. Peripheral too that you know you watch how people live their life and you start to pick up things that you know I learn how to be in a relationship with someone I learn how to say no I don't like that or I don't want to do that Um, I learn how to accept it when someone says that to me (laughs) Um, you know I there's so many different things over the years I I thought about that I thought wow all of those little lessons just by interacting with people. Mm -hmm. You have people like Jamie model things and you're like, I really like how she did that. Next time I'm gonna do it like that too. <laughs> that worked well. <laughs> you know, you just learn so much just by being there. And it's, you know, all of a sudden you you're living life, you know? And it's a it, you learn how to live life without your addiction, and you learn how to do it with God. And you have all these other people doing the same thing, and you just I don't think I could ever say all the different pieces how they come together. It's it's really amazing. Um, yeah,
0: that is such an important point in terms of not if you grow up in a in a in, especially in an addiction family. Um, you don't learn how to live. You don't learn, you you know, families are responsible for socializing children. And, and when all of the attention is going to trying to manage the unmanageable and keeping a peace that does not exist, mm-hmm. then you don't learn those basic life skills. And so then you're left sort of out to, hung out to dry when you get sober. And so... Just being with a group of people who's stumbling along, trying to learn how, but then you see people who are, who, who are a little bit ahead of you. And that's where hope is. You, you see that it works. You see that people do heal and people do get, in, uh, get a life back. And we used to say recovery is like a country record played back, mm-hmm. backwards. You know, you get your life back. You get, you, you get things back. And I think the other part of teaching is that you're expected to get a sponsor, a sponsor is someone who helps you learn to walk the program,
1: you mm-hmm. know,
0: that helps you learn to grow, to keep to keep you accountable. And it's not that anyone can really keep us accountable. I mean, I can lie to somebody who's a, a, my sponsor just as easy as I can lie to somebody who's not. But what happens is when I'm in a safe place with a safe person where I know I don't have to lie, number one, they will point it out that I may be lying <laughs> at, at some level, but also that when there's no reason to lie, we know when we lie. <laughs> and so when you're with somebody that you know is there for you and you're lying to them, then you can see the lie begin again. I remember being in a group really early on, and and it was a very safe group. We loved each other. We were committed to each other. And and I said I, I had two cookies, and I really had the whole box. <laughs> You know, and I noticed it, and I thought, why did I say that? Mm-hmm. I could have said I ate a box of cookies, mm-hmm. but but it's not just in your addiction, it's in all areas of your life that we tend to embellish or minimize or distort truth, and when we start to do that, it begins to endanger our recovery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because recovery depends on us lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on us not doing that, so staying in community, and then we've got scripture, AA has its sayings like one day at a time, keep it simple stupid, but scripture is so filled with, you know, peace be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. We have so many things that we can pull out to change our thinking, mm-hmm. you know, to help us to quiet our mind because one of the really big things is we have noisy minds. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always thinking, thinking too much and to quiet our minds. And so the the Beauty of the wholeness of of a true recovery program is is i think true church mm-hmm. i mean it is it is it is true church and, and and it's a place where we are learning to love, we're learning to walk together, we're learning to do the things that make life work, and we're learning that we're not perfect, and we're never going to finish those steps you know mm-hmm. and but we can go back to one of the steps every time life begins to be a struggle, mm-hmm. there's something that we're doing that is not or uh, not doing that we should be mm-hmm. that can prevent us from getting to that edge. Mm-hmm. And and so it's really beautiful. Anything else you might want to say about recovery itself?
1: What you said about Scripture, I think that's the—I think I've no— I've met people in church who aren't in recovery, and it can be like a baffling thing to explain to somebody, like, why do you need to do that? Why can't you just go to church and read the Bible? And I don't know that there's one path everyone has to take, but I know for myself, um, it's not about it being different than church. It's just about we're all there with the same struggle, and we're using this pathway to be a part of the church in that scripture that to me that's the beauty of like the Christ-centered program is we are all praying to the same God worshipping the same God acknowledging the same God and we we have the Bible that that is our guide and so it's that foundational piece I think is the big difference because at the end of the day that is what we're all going back to mm-hmm. Um, and that is different. That's different than um, everyone having their own idea. Um, and so there's a piece of it there that there's a spiritual piece there. God is moving in a way that is not something that any of us are doing or just get to be a part of it. And I, So that part of it, too, I think is worth mentioning that being a part of that um, is really plugging into the church. Um, but just through this one avenue, um, and that's been amazing. I've seen the most amazing things, and very grateful for it. The friendships and the bonds formed in that shared experience are—it
0: becomes a incredible true body in Christ. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's just a, a, a an amazing way of li- of life. And I think that for anybody, it's an amazing way of life. Yeah, it, it never. Uh, it works and well I am so glad that you were here this thank was you. fun and 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 uh, I'm glad that uh, it's just very heartwarming for me to just uh, I feel like a parent sometimes you know, just just to, to to watch people grow and you, you've been great and
1: uh, just really thank you thank you I could go on and on about that <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You have been an amazing mentor and friend to me, and I appreciate you. Thank you so
0: much for joining us today and for Making Peace and Beyond podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we just would encourage you to subscribe, to write a review, give us support, share it with your friends, and uh, join us on all of our other social media. We are everywhere. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, we just love being with you. And our prayer is that you would continue. Uh, to grow in your own faith, and uh, God bless you.